T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Thank you so much to everyone who listens throughout the weekend and to all of my podcasters. I love you guys. If you would like to podcast the show, you can do that anywhere you get your podcasts. But I really recommend that you listen to it on the Odyssey app. The Odyssey app is great because uh, you can get the Rachel Zimmerman Show podcast, the DGS podcast, Chris and Amy. You can listen to TIAM, but also shows that we don't even host on KMOX. We have them on the Odyssey app. Uh, But the best part is... If you are not near a traditional radio, the Odyssey app is a way for you to listen to KMOX live streaming. Uh, Yeah, and you don't have to worry about, am I getting a good signal or not? You are just streaming it, and it's crystal clear, and it's great. So go download the Odyssey app today if you haven't already. It is free, uh, and you can thank me for it later. I'm really excited for this week's show. I know I say that every week, but I, I like this guest a lot, Mark Maxwell from KSDK. He is a political editor. He is also host of The Record on KSDK, which you can catch after Sports Plus on Sunday nights. Uh had a really great conversation with Mark. We talked about politics. We talked about media. We talked about where media is going, where politics are going. And he had a very um, overall, a very positive outlook on the situation. I'm the type of person who tends to uh, look at the negative when it comes to politics and when it comes to social media and all that stuff. I've talked about this before. It just feels like a big mess to me at times, and I don't know how to sort through it. So talking to someone like like Mark, who you know swims in these waters every day, uh, and to hear him have a more hopeful attitude towards the situation, that was just really great. And he's a really smart guy. It's a great interview. Uh, And I'm looking forward to airing it for you guys in the next segment. Uh, Let's see here. But before we go to break, I do want to talk really quickly about this upcoming week. You know, we have the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, which uh, understatement, but I am not a big Super Bowl or not a big football person as is probably evidenced by me just calling it a Super Bowl person. Um, Not a football fan. Um, Nothing wrong with it. I just don't watch it. I don't understand the rules. (laughs) Um, After 32 years on this planet, I'm still just like, what is that guy doing over there? What's going on? But I do like the Super Bowl. I like how festive it is. It's fun to see the commercials, even though, I don't know, why do they have to release all of the commercials in advance? Doesn't that take away a bunch of the fun? I was watching CNN the other day, and they played this commercial for mayonnaise with Kate McKinnon and Pete Davidson, and they played the entire commercial. 
And I'm going, well, what's the point of me waiting for it in the Super Bowl when that's going to be like when I get up and get another drink is when they start playing that commercial. I just don't get the whole we got to release it in advance and hype it up. The event itself is the hype, right? Well, whatever. Uh, Also coming up this week, we have Valentine's Day. And I love Valentine's Day, not for like the Hallmark reasons and like romantic love, even though there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But I just like pink and hearts and pretty things. And Valentine's Day is kind of the ultimate excuse for that sort of stuff. Plus, uh, February is kind of a drag sometimes. And anytime you can have a fun little event like the Super Bowl or like Valentine's Day to kind of break up the monotony of winter, that's really, really nice. So looking forward to this new week. And like I said, looking forward to airing this interview with Mark Maxwell in the next segment on The Rachel Zimmerman Show. So I hope you'll stay tuned. We'll be right back with Mark Maxwell from KSDK. All right, so Mark. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Maxwell is a political editor at KSDK. He's also host of The Record on KSDK. Mark, it's really great to meet you. Thanks for coming down today. I'm so glad to be here. Can I just say how cool this is? It's like radio on KMOX, a <laughs> huge legacy station. Congrats, by the way, on the show. It's still kind of a new thing, right? Yeah, it started in October, so we're still kind of getting our feet wet and you know figuring out how it's going to go. So I'm happy that you're one of the first people to be on. This is cool. So glad to be here. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about TV. I've never been on television ever. Um, I like I would be so scared if I were ever on TV. So it's cool to know that like for you coming down to a radio station is a fun experience. Come by sometime. We'll break the ice. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> What's the story? Yeah. Uh, all right. So, how did you get started uh, in journalism at all? Like, how did you develop an interest in it? 
Uh, great question. I started as a paper boy at age eight. That oh, was, my gosh. Uh, yeah. It was a fun thing to do as a kid, and I think my parents really wanted to instill that work ethic. So we'd get up at 4.30 in the morning, go pick up the papers, roll them, and then uh, I had this great little paper route. It was full of the greatest generation, northwest Indiana, just a little old steel town. And then you'd go collect on the weekends, and you got to know so many people in your community. So I've always felt a bond to the story, the local story. Um, but after that, I wouldn't say that it was really a traditional entry into journalism. Okay. I would, wouldn't recommend uh, my, my particular path. It didn't start there uh, my, in my early career. Uh, let's let's go back for a second here. So 4.30 in the morning at eight years old, was this an everyday <laughs> route or was it just yeah. like, oh, I just did week? Wow, that's really impressive. My dad was out the door at like 5.15 or 5.30 for his uh, train to Chicago to work. Okay. And so it was, that's just when we woke up. Went to bed pretty early too. Yeah. Like 8.45, I think. Okay, so you said you don't recommend the path you took the rest of your career. Fill me in on that. Uh, sure. So I sometimes joke that I didn't go to J school, uh, journalism school. I went to the other J school, Jesus school. It was uh, my parents' alma mater. It was sort of a religious seminary. And, and so as a 17-year-old kid, uh, there's a lot of influence from parents and family to go follow in their footsteps. And mm -hmm. found it wasn't quite for me. Started in medical sales for the first few years during and after college. And then when uh, the, the week before Christmas 2012, I remember losing that job abruptly. And, you know, I was the bearer of bad news. First had to go to a bunch of colleagues and tell them, hey, this is shutting down. Um, and then I was next. <laughs> so you, you start to I, I could have gone back into medical sales and had a few options there. But I, I remember thinking and I called my grandfather who had reinvented himself a few times mm -hmm. in, over the course of his career. And I thought, what do I do here? And he said, well, if money wasn't an object, what, what would you want to do? And he got me thinking. I picked up a few odd jobs on the side to kind of, and I thought, I'm 23. I'm too old to go back to school. I remember thinking that. Mm. And I was convinced. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm 23. I'm almost a quarter of a century old now. I'm ancient. Uh, and it's funny how you think that. And looking back now, that's kind of silly. So yeah. I ended up going back to a vocational school for broadcasting um, and paid my way through that. And the next thing I knew, I got a, a few internships at a radio station in Chicago. Uh, then a TV station doing sports at first. Wow. Did you ever see that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza is lamenting, uh, quitting his job, and he's talking to Jerry, and he's asking, what, what, what am I going to do next? Well, I love sports. Maybe I could do something in sports. And, <laughs> and Jerry tells him, well, they kind of reserve those jobs for former athletes and, well, people in broadcasting. And George goes, that's entirely unfair. And, uh, that, that was kind of my entry, really. It's kind of silly looking at it. Um, but then I found there were a lot more jobs in bulk in in newsrooms that weren't sports only. And then I kind of found, wow, there's a lot more interesting work. Every time you turn a stone, uh, one of these stones over, there's something interesting under it. And my curiosity just kind of led the way. Wow. So, and you ended up at KSDK. When did you start at KSDK? Uh, April, uh, let's see, 22? What year is this, 24? Yeah. yeah. So it, coming up on two years in April. Now, pardon my ignorance. Did you create the record or was that a show that had been on prior to you joining KSDK? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's been such uh, a wild ride, a challenge, a fun thing to do, but yeah, incredibly honored uh, together with uh, Jacob Kurth and Ashley Brandmeier and a whole bunch of folks, uh, Nicole Sanders and uh, Carol Fowler, who just left our station. She was the director of content. And she said, let's green light this thing. Let's." So yeah, we were able to launch a new show uh, kind of like you're doing here, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so it's such a an honor and, and it's a fun thing to do. We get to bring uh, big name politicians on and people that are local or in Congress. And 
you know, it's a bit of a hot seat, right? We try to grill them and, and get as much information as we can out of them, um, focus on big news of the week um, as often as we can. And it's just been so fun to find. It's probably the favorite part of my broadcast week, right? Getting into that long-form interview. Uh, although my producer's always in my ear telling me to wrap it up quick, you know, quick, <laughs> you got to wind it down. Mark Maxwell is a political editor and host of The Record on KSDK. So do you find that your background in sales helps you with uh, interviewing at all? That's, an, that's a good question. I don't know. I guess I don't stop to take inventory of all that too often. Um, I think probably really more the background in uh, a kind of rigid religion, uh, frankly, I think prepared me for the political moment we're in. Okay. Where there's a lot of dogma. Uh, a lot of people are dug in. Nobody wants to hear the other side. Uh, nobody wants to consider things they haven't considered before. I think that, uh, I, I, I sort of, I don't know. I, I, I developed a strong uh, interest in trying to explore all sides of an issue and found that often when people are reluctant to do that, they're probably hiding something or afraid of something. And I, th I think that that just curiosity kind of boiled over for me. And I wanted to help foster a broader conversation that I think really just isn't happening in a lot of society these days, right? There's people that are just sort of closing in and not considering their neighbor, not considering the bigger picture and sort of feel that you can have some part in that is very rewarding. Is that why you wanted to fo do a focus on politics is to kind of bridge that gap if you could? I think that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to go all his history on you or anything, but Thomas Jefferson, before he got really powerful, you know, later, once he became president, he tried to punish the press. But before that, he had a he placed a very high value on it. And he had this saying, I'll get the exact quote uh, wrong, but something to the effect of if I could choose between a federal government and no newspapers or a robust free press and no federal government, I would choose the latter. Mm. And he didn't exactly explain all that. But I think what he meant was if if we all just knew about the plight our neighbor was in or the pain of poverty or the way desperation drives people to do certain things or the horrors of war, if we just knew, I think he understood that we would somehow tap into our collective conscience and we would put our backs to the wheel and we'd find a solution. We'd figure it out. I think he believed in the general good of humanity. And that's what the press tries to do. We just try to help inform people, um, try to get people to think about things maybe a different way. It, it's so funny in today's hyper-partisan, polarized political media world, there are there, you can always tell a journalist from a propagandist by the people who wake up every morning trying to convince you to think like me mm -hmm. and the people who wake up every day saying, I wonder what today has in store. Let's go find out. I'm sure it's got to be frustrating for you when politicians and when other, you know, like pundits and talking. I always think it's funny when people in the media are like, it's the media. It's like, well, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, but I'm in the media and I make comments like that from time to time. But it's got to be frustrating when people uh, put down the press and say, like, oh, you know, media is so biased. It's it's got this slant. Do you try to do you try to come at that head on or like do you try to subvert that and say like uh do you, basically what I'm saying are you trying to convince people that you're different or do you just kind of try to do your job I always so first of all I understand when people say they have a problem with the media who okay. can't relate to that we've all seen a story that we didn't like or that graded us the wrong way um but then I tell people you know walk for a day in my shoes I've never been in a place where people hold more disparate opinions, where people disagree more readily than in a newsroom. 
we've all got opinions. I think the idea that press should be like robots, just re- I, I call those repeaters, not reporters. Uh, one of my favorite experiences, my last job, I, I got the front row seat in the Illinois State House to see people from all corners of Illinois come to their, their legislators seeking a solution. They were at their most passionate place in their life or the most desperate place in their life. And they had this sometimes a, a whole lifetime of experience or sometimes just an emergent need right now. And they came and they laid out their most passionate arguments. It was almost like going back to college all over again. You got to see all these different legal debates and interesting movements happening, some fizzling out and dying, some becoming law. And we got to sit there and you're going to tell me that you can't form an opinion from that close perspective. I think all of us do. The the job isn't to keep yourself free from uh, forming opinions. It's just not to be condescending to your audience, to understand that, you know, I don't presume to know your values or any, when I'm talking to a broad audience broadcasting, I just have to respect that there's a lot of people out there that aren't going to see this issue the same and just be fair to that. Uh, we're going to form opinions along the way, but don't try to shove those down anybody's throat and it'll all work out. Do you think most people in the media are on the same page as you or do you think that a lot of us have lost sight of the average person? There are so many great, I mean, if you really want to go down a rabbit hole, there's a lot of professors in academia who talk about the press and criticize the press, uh, and they talk about these issues. Can you have the view from nowhere? Can you, or, or do we, if we respect diversity in media, shouldn't that mean something? Should a person that comes from a certain corner of the economy or a, a, a racial subset, or so, should, should they be able to bring that perspective into their reporting, or should they mute it? If they mute it, then what was the point of diversity in the first place? So this is like a debate going on, and and it's it's an interesting discussion to consider. But again, I think if you go back to that original question about Thomas Jefferson and bringing all these different ideas to the press, if you have these various opinions out there and all, if you value diversity in newsrooms, at the end of the day, no one reporter is doing it alone. It's a team sport. And what we're doing is we're painting with each story a part of a broader mosaic that I think if we just trust that, Trust the First Amendment. Trust reporters to work hard and dig in and find stuff. As long as the industry isn't hollowed out and handed over to charlatans who just want to make a buck, right, and they're not trying to serve some political interest, if you maintain your independence and do your work, I think that people will – I think people trust the media more than they say they do. Um, So many times, oh, why is the media reporting on this? Where would they get that story? It was, it was a media report first. Mm. And then – so there's just – a lot of people have built up uh, narratives around media – that I think if they spent a little time with a reporter, um, they'd lose a lot of that uh, maybe distrust. What What do you do uh, every day to prepare for what you do? Like, what kind of media do you consume? I, I like to ask that question to politicians, actually, because really? it always tells me something about where they and, and it's interesting to hear that. I read a lot. Um, I, I want to be careful how I say this because I have great respect for all the reporters in town and, and all that. But I don't watch TV. And part of it is maybe this is my own personal quirk. Um, I, don't, I don't like to become part of a bubble. I do think that there has been some fair criticism of media at large that sometimes we're in an echo chamber. Right. And so I try to be careful in my creative process not to ever um, become part of that. If I've already reported this story and I want to go back, I'll sometimes go back and look at stuff and say, how did we do it differently? But just for my own, I like to read things and get them from the original source. And maybe after a certain story wave is over, I'll go back and reevaluate a few months later. But I try to be careful not to get caught up in just repeating what somebody else said or I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's just me. 
And I'm talking with Mark Maxwell. He's a political editor and host of The Record on KSDK. What's the first big political story that like grabbed you and made you go, okay, I want to focus on this? I remember in 2017, I had just arrived brand new to Springfield, Illinois. And I had the biggest chip on my shoulder. I really wanted to prove that I belonged. Didn't actually believe that I did. I was surprised that anybody wanted to talk to me. I quickly learned that politicians just want some time on your camera. And you got to make them earn it, right? you got to make them go through that gauntlet to get uh, your airtime. But um, I, I stumbled into this story. I still think it was a stroke of good luck. There was this old warehouse in Springfield that the state was renting to store a bunch of paper records in. And the rent cost was like $3.4 million to rent this old building. And the building had just sold, I think, for something like seven hundred and fifty grand, and they're renting it for like a five-year lease at $3.4 million. And I'm like, what? what is going on here? So you started looking into it, and there's, there's an old procurement board. I, I could bore people to tears with all the different layers of bureaucracy in Illinois <laughs> government, but what had basically happened was after uh, we started reporting on this warehouse, we found that it, the guy who basically signed off on the lease was next-door neighbors with the guy who had gone to jail in the Rob Lagojevich scandal. He was known as the king of clout in Illinois politics, and uh, he had this sort of landlord-leasing relationship with the state where he was just making a bunch of money on all these different contracts. Well, he'd gone to jail, and state law banned him from doing business with the state. So I went digging through all these documents, and what he did was he found a clever way to hide his son-in-law, who had a foreign-born name, confusing, long-sounding name, uh, in the documents for one of these shell company LLCs that was now taking a cut of the profits on this lease deal. And so we tied it back to him through his son-in-law and then it later found out that there was some internal communication and emails. that. And once you kind of found that self-interest, that self-serving game that was going on, oh, man, that was fun. You got to root that out and they canceled the lease and they stopped the payments. And, you know, in the end, there was some good government reporting to go on there. And I think that really... That was one of the first stories I remember where I was personally involved in uncovering something. Of course, there's any number of political stories that are bigger scandals, and we all remember them. But mm-hmm. for me, seeing that and then other other people in the press, other people in politics started saying, oh, this guy will dig in on a story and he won't, you know, he'll be like a dog with a bone. He won't just give up on it after a, a day of reporting. He'll keep pressing on it. That is the thing that brought more tips to me than anything else. Because once somebody out there says, oh, this guy's not going to give up on it. Let me give him some more tips. How important do you think people like you, the role you play in local politics, like how indispensable is that to for local politicians like to know, hey, I have people who are going to check in on this stuff? Uh, that's, that's a really funny question. It's like, sure, I'd love to say how important I am, right? It's like an anchorman. <laughs> hey, everyone, come and see how good I look. Yeah, how, how important is my job? I think we all think we, we want to hope that it's important work. Uh, but I often joke, I don't really know much of anything until somebody tells me something. Right. So there, there is the relationship side, too. I think when I came into the business, I thought it was all scorched earth. You're out to really challenge the power. And sure, there's fun in that and there's some reward in that. But you also have to come around to understanding, oh, they're trying to get something done here. And you have to respect that the will of the people put these people there and you try to learn what they're into. I, I really came to find out I thought all politicians were crooked when I first got in. To, to this job. I was pleasantly surprised to find that like 80 to 90% of them are pretty good people that really want to make a difference. Wow. Like 10 to 20% are just really good at being gadflies to the camera and they just want to talk and they're the entertainment chattering class of, poli- you know, and we all know who they are. How many of the 435 members of the U.S. House do you think you could name? Mm, the loud ones. Yeah. And that, that's kind of my point. A lot of those other people, uh, I've heard some describe themselves as worker bees. They just get in and they, 
Now, you got to be careful because sometimes lobbyists and, and those worker bees will huddle in, in private in the shadows and work out some deal and nobody really ever hears about it until you dig in. So, you know, you don't want to pay too much deference to that. But I think that we often have this jaded view of politics because we, we only hear from the carnival barkers. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Mark Maxwell on The Rachel Zimmerman Show. Okay, so we're still relatively new in 2024. Besides the presidential election, obviously, what are some huge stories that you're anticipating this year, some things for people to watch out for? I mean, just across the river in Illinois, the 12th congressional district was a big Republican primary there with uh, five-term incumbent Mike Boss trying to fend off a challenge from uh, Darren Bailey, who ran for governor there. Here in Missouri in the 3rd congressional district, uh, with Congressman Luckemeyer stepping aside, there's a big race there. We know at least Mary Elizabeth Coleman and Bob Onder are, are, are in a primary. That'll be in August. And then you, you mentioned the presidential thing. I don't know if we can overlook the uncertainty that comes into these conventions. I hope to be covering uh, both of the Republican National and Democratic National Conventions in the summer. We've never had a candidate going in. who the, I don't know if we can say Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee quite yet, but he's certainly heading in that direction. And he's, the Supreme Court hasn't even said that this guy can be on the ballot yet. The Supreme Court hasn't said they, they have. So the, the, the District uh, Court of Appeals in D.C. has said that he cannot be shielded from immunity, that he could face criminal prosecution. I mean, when's the last time we've seen that? A hundred years ago mm-hmm. when somebody ran for president from jail? It can happen. But what we don't know how this story is going to play out. So it, it can lead people to anxiety, but it also, I think facts are what gives us confidence in the process. I think some people are ready to just say, let's blow it all up. Let's get rid of the system we have. Um, I think that's the increasing minority. I think most common people with, think with common sense really still believe we've got a good thing going here and we want to keep, keep it on the rails. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. There's going to be some new tests applied to the limits of power and prosecution and how much we have confidence in the court system this year. You talk about the average person wanting things to, you know, kind of stay the traditional way they've always been. I agree with you, but there there comes a time where it's like, but the loud people are getting all the attention. Do you have any uh, strategies, any ideas of how the average Joe gets their voice heard again? I think that as humans, it's okay. radio itself, right? This ability to talk to such a large number of people has only been around for, what, 100 years? Mm. Social media, we're in the early days of that. And so I think it's just a rinsing process. A lot of the loudest voices are going to, they're going to be here for a little bit. And I think we're going to kind of collectively catch up to our senses. That's my hope. I'll give you an example. I was at one of the Iowa caucus events uh, when they were nominating their candidate for president in the Republican Party. And uh, everybody got to go up. If you liked a certain candidate, Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, you'd go up to the mic and you try to persuade the room. Pick my, pick my guy, pick my gal, pick my candidate. And this little old lady in Iowa, and you, you think about an Iowa voter, they're very intelligent, they're very polite, Midwest nice, right? And she walks up to the mic and she starts laying out her case. And she says, this guy Trump has 91 criminal you know, charges against him. You got to consider that. She's just raising the uncertainty question. And almost immediately, the heckler's veto began. A bunch of guys in the back started booing her. Here's this like 80-year-old lady. And so the, by the time the Nikki Haley guy got up there, he was maybe 35 years old, had a wife there with him. I think they might have had some kids. And he was almost apologizing. You could see his hand shaking. He's grabbing the mic. He's like, well, I, I, I know maybe some people in the room might disagree with me. And isn't that the beautiful thing about American politics is that we can all disagree and still work this out? He was almost apologizing for what he was about to say before he said it. And I started to realize, I don't know how many people wanted to be in that room. 
the turnout we saw later on um, had dropped significantly from earlier years. And some people attributed that to the weather. But I think the louder the temperature gets, I think people vote with their feet. They move to spaces where they feel comfortable. They, 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 they move away from the rage. I do think that can only last so long. Mm. It's been able to last longer. Those fires can burn hotter because of social media. They can carry on. They can go viral. And, and there's that old saying that a lie can get around the world seven times before the truth can get its shoes on. We see that a lot. But I think at some point we're going to start to wisen up and we're going to see, okay, there's a lot of deceitful people out there that want to keep power. They want to get power to keep power. They don't want to get power to use power. And I think our patience for that is going to wear thin over time. Is it going to happen this year? Is it going to happen in four years? I don't know. But I think as long as enough of us stay the course and just keep telling the truth, digging in and pressing power to account, I think it'll all work out. You have a very positive outlook towards the future. <laughs> Maybe they'd call that naive. Mm, I, I, but I think that you bring up a great point, though. Social media is relatively new. And I tend to fall into the category of like, it's just going to get worse and worse. But what you're saying is people are going to become more savvy or that's the hope anyway. Yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned that because uh, when you invited me to come on the show, I went and looked at I'm like, well, let me see what I'm getting into here. And mm-hmm. I, you, <laughs> you had a tweet that was interesting to me. You said, should I tweet more? I don't know. <laughs> and I was kind of sad to see that you haven't. You've kind of just like yeah. you're like, I think at some point you gave up on that. But f- we're all going to find our voice. Right. We're all watching. And I think over time we're getting smarter. We're seeing who the liars are. We're seeing who the charlatans are. And they all expose themselves. Like, we, we all see what that is for, for what it is. The, Jay Leno has a great quote. I keep it on my fridge at home. It's a little magnet. It says, politics is just show business for ugly people. <laughs> and it's kind of a double entendre when you think about it. It's not just about looks, but people that really just kind of have that desperate need, that greed for more power. They're putting on a show, and, and we can all kind of see it for what it is. Do you have any political stories that you like to track that don't necessarily make it on TV every week? What do you mean? Uh, just like stories where it's like, all right, well, this isn't going to lead the news, but I'm going to mm. keep an eye on this. Yeah, I get, I mean, it just depends. I think a lot of us are more, um, I don't know, ADD than, <laughs> we, I, we have a recency bias. If I hear someone talk about it, I'm interested in it for a little while and maybe I'll dig in. Some stories catch on longer than others. Right now in St. Louis, there's this fight over Ward Capital. And each member of the Board of Aldermen has their little pot of money and how they can use it to satisfy the needs of their constituents is interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I I strangely like to go through and read Supreme Court opinions. There's a whole bunch of really nerdy things that I'll do that maybe that's an example that you're yeah. looking for. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll sometimes read the different debates. Oh, um, have you ever read any of Lincoln's early speeches or like the Lincoln-Douglas debates? Incredibly dense, dry stuff. But there's some great gold mines in there of like, early arguments forming our judicial system. It's just fascinating stuff. This is the kind of nerdy, or I like to read history books a lot. Um, I had been reading a lot about people in power, like the presidents and all that. And in the last couple of years, I've been trying to focus more on reading about political movements and people who were kept out of power to kind of get that other side of the coin. Mm. Um, those are some of the most interesting stories, really. The people who never quite got there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just a, so much you could go down, so many rabbit trails. Have you ever considered like writing a book or something? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've thought about it, but I don't know if people would be interested. I thought about writing a book called Cultivated. Um, so, so the, the rigid religion I grew up in as a, as a child, sometimes it's a little tough to talk about because, you know, you, you sometimes wonder, well, why didn't I catch on to that sooner? But it was the water I swam in, the only thing I knew. Uh, people on the outside would criticize it as a cult. Mm. Truly. But it was big. It was like hiding in plain sight. It was massive. And the people who led that place went on to do some bad things. 
uh, things that hurt people. And I think when you when you realize, oh, they didn't ever want to be challenged. They the people in power there never wanted to be accountable. You couldn't ask a question challenging them. That was like the most forbidden thing. Uh, and, and women had it especially rough in that background. Um, I think when 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 you start to compare that the way that that kind of hive operated almost unaccountable to anyone to the modern day political party, I make a lot of correlations. I don't know if it's just me, mm. but I think it's really interesting to kind of watch. I've read a lot of different social psychologists and uh, social anthropologists who talk about the way that human hives work in this way. And I think there could be a really interesting story about the shift of politics in the social media era uh, to some of those sort of insular ways of thinking. And I, I think it'd be a fun story to kind of put together. Whether anybody would ever find it interesting or read it, I have no idea. I would 100% read that. If this is too personal of a question, let me know and we'll cut it out. Um, but I also was raised in like a very strict religious background. Do you ever find, now that you've kind of broken away from that, do you ever find those old, not old habits, but the, those old ways of thinking have more of a grip on you than you thought or like subconsciously it's coming through? Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I had a pretty big breakup with all that in my early twenties and wrestled with it. There was a period of time for like three years where I just ferociously rejected it all. And I think you kind of come back around. There's been a lot of different, uh, you get help from professionals and from books and you find a lot of different ways to understand it and reconcile with some of those more challenging things from earlier years. And I think you can kind of find your way to a healthier, happier understanding of it all. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that I do see some of those uh, ghosts under the bed anymore, mm. if that's what you're asking. Um, but yeah, I think that everybody can go through that on their own timeline. Some folks are still wrestling with a lot of that, and some folks never get over it. Um, some people are happy in that world, right? People yeah. that are drawn to it like the safety of a black and white world, where it's all good, all evil. Um, you know, journalism doesn't do well in those spaces. It, it, there's a lot of gray area that we like to explore. Yeah, I was going to say, does your background, do you think that's part of the reason why you're so into all of this and so into, not finding the truth, but finding the compromise? That that and the fact that I get to poke power in the eye every day and get paid for it, <laughs> right? There, there's I'm, I'm scratching an itch that I couldn't do for so many years, and that's fun. It's rewarding. And <laughs> they're kind of a captive audience, politicians. They have to sit there and take it. <laughs> so uh, it is fun to do that some um, personally. But, yeah, I, look, I think that at the end of the day, we're all just trying to find a way to make the world better for uh, those who come after and for the, those of us that are here now. And that's the goal. You hope that everybody out, out there in the public space is working with the same good faith. You find some aren't. But you just keep at it. Keep telling the truth. Keep learning more about them and trust the process that everybody's going to kind of wise up to all that. So, Mark, tell me about the record. When can people watch? What's the show about? <laughs> uh, Sunday night. After Sports Plus, Frank Cusimano has a great weekly Love recap. Love Frank. Oh, he's he's the best. You got to have him on sometime. Oh yeah, he uh, used to be on the Dave Glover show all the time before we moved to KMOX. He's down the dial. I, yeah, I love Frank Cusimano. He's the best. Um, so they found a place to put me Sunday nights at eleven o'clock, unless there's football that pushes all the programming back a little bit. Um, I never thought I'd be a late night TV show host. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> cut out for that. Um, you know, a lot of political shows happen Sunday morning. There's Meet the Press and Face the Nation and all those shows. Um, and and so I think people expect they're going to find their politics at that time of the hour. Wait 12 hours, and then we're on uh, Sunday night. And you can find the replays online. Um, but, yeah, we hope to have all the biggest names in politics from Illinois and Missouri, St. Louis, come through. Um, and not always politicians. Sometimes there will be activists or people that work in the community that have a really interesting story, and we'll bring them through. 
Um, but this is our hope. Our hope. My favorite segment on this is check the record at the end. We always go back. We have this recency bias where we think that everything happening now is the most interesting thing ever to happen. And I love to find little correlations in history to say, wait, maybe we've been there before. What can we learn from this moment in history? From And we'll compare the two. Or sometimes we'll correct the record. Maybe one of our guests said something, got it wrong. That's our little fact check segment. So at the end, there's always this little Easter egg that people are waiting around for, I hope. And it's kind of a cool little way to wrap the show up. Very cool. Well, Mark, it was great to meet you. I hope you'll come back on the show sometime. And we need to get you on the Dave Glover show, too, because I think you'd be an amazing guest. But thanks for coming down. Great. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Welcome back, guys. Thanks again to Mark Maxwell for joining me in the last two segments for a great interview. It really got me thinking. It got me in a more hopeful place when it comes to media and politics. So I really appreciated that from him. So at the top of the show, we talked about Valentine's Day. I do like this holiday quite a bit. I just think it's fun. I've liked it ever since I was a little kid and you had the uh, the Valentine's party at school and everybody gave each other Valentine's and I- I'm sure everyone else did this too but uh, in the 90s anyway we would take a shoebox and decorate it and, and kind of tuck each other's Valentine's into, into that and that was really fun. I always had a good time decorating and it's just a fun little holiday. Um, I did this story on the DGS earlier this week but I wanted to mention it again real quick on the Rachel Zimmerman show. Pizza Hut is offering a new hot honey breakup pizza ahead of Valentine's Day. So this is a gimmick in order to promote their new hot honey pizza which I'm not going to lie this thing sounds really good. It has marinara sauce, cheese, pepperoni, a hot honey drizzle made with real honey infused with chili peppers, and crispy cupped pepperoni. Yum! That does sound really good. But the whole thing is, is you can order one of these and send it to your ex, or your soon-to-be ex, I should say, along with a message breaking up with them for Valentine's Day. Guys, I know it goes without saying, and I know this is a silly gimmick, but please don't do this. This is like the worst way to break up with someone, even though I guess they do have a pizza to console themselves. But you can pick up the phone and call. You can meet at a coffee shop if you want to get rid of somebody. Don't send them a message like this. I think that is uh, incredibly lame and, <laughs> and not, you know, very respectful after you've had a relationship with someone. But, uh, yeah, Pizza Hut is kind of jumping on the bandwagon of silly things around Valentine's Day, silly games. And I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, All right. I'm running out of time on the RZS. So I will say goodbye to you guys. Next week, I get to talk to my friend Tony Scott here at Odyssey. I can't wait for this conversation. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about other than, you know, his amazing career. But Tony is the best and I'm really looking forward to it. Again, if you missed any part of today's show, you can podcast it. Just search for The Rachel Zimmerman Show anywhere you get your podcasts, but especially on the Odyssey app. All right, I'm out, guys. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 